Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Monday, March 21st, a whole week since our last podcast, uh, maybe even a little longer than that. But we are back, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my neighbor, Max. How's it going, my friend? A little tired and frazzled. Walked through my door five minutes ago. The first thing I did was open up my laptop and get on the Zoom call with you, buddy. Uh, but I had a long working day, lots of driving. It's, as I was saying, you've been a busy few days for me. Um, but, you know, when life is busy, sometimes having a little less time with your thoughts can be a good thing. Um, so just enjoying being a little caught up in the moment. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. We got, uh, obviously, St. Patrick's Day got in the middle of our podcast plans on Thursday, but I'm sure we both had a, had a good time on that day. And it definitely seemed like <laughs> our general demographic had a fabulous time. Today is the first day without the mask mandate. Um, obviously the first official day, there were no masks to be seen over the past four or five days um, and had a great tournament this weekend coaching. And that was interesting as well. It really feels like the world is, is open here in Canada, at least. And I just cannot wait for next weekend when I get to go see this Canada soccer game. Uh, so buzzing right now and especially buzzing because of the sports calendar. It was a heavy amount of time, especially with all that we've missed uh, since our last podcast. Plenty of transactions to talk, plenty of action just in terms of competition to talk, lots and lots to get to, um, which means we may not dive as deep as we have in previous pods and uh, really give a rundown of what we've seen over the major North American sports um, last week or so and uh, what implications that has moving forward. Wide ranging, short and sweet. Let's do it, though. <clears throat> yes, sir. We are going to start, of course, uh, with the big news of today. The NHL trade deadline uh, occurred and passed uh, on this Monday and Plenty and plenty of deals to sift through to try and pull out some winners and losers. Uh, I ended up finding a lot more winners than losers in this uh, in my go around. I think partially it's because I haven't had my finger on the pulse of the NHL as much as I would have liked. It also feels like there were some clearly defined sellers and buyers. Um, there's not too many teams that are stuck in a tight race, especially in the Eastern Conference. It, we, it's already guaranteed essentially who these eight playoff teams are going to be as Washington is double digit points ahead of Columbus for that final wildcard spot. So really it was about those teams loading up and figuring out who their first round opponent is going to be. On the other side of things, a couple of Western Conference teams locked in there uh there's still a bit of a race for the final wild card spot but i think some of those teams were hesitant to go all in um just due to some of the stiff competition they're facing at the top of that conference with that being said i did manage to find a couple uh winners and losers to pick out here and, and we'll kind of go through that format to touch on some of the bigger deals of the day so the first winner i have in here are the atlantic contenders 
minus the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> and we'll talk about that in a sec, but especially these Florida teams, man, they just do such a good job of getting exactly what they need at a great price and very evident that these two teams are all the way in um, and are two juggernauts to be reckoned with. Primarily the back-to-back defending Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning getting Brandon Hagel, Nick Paul, and Riley Nash um, as some depth forwards to really fill out a roster that lost their entire third line in the offseason last year, still has been immensely successful. But this is three really solid guys that you add to your bottom six, and it just fills out a roster that's looking to go deep in the playoffs once again. And it seems like they didn't have to give up too much to get these three players. So it's just another great job working around the margins here uh, by the lightning. And yeah, what more can you say? It's not unrealistic to see them lifting the cup for the third year in a row. Uh, Dynasty potential in this group for sure. Then just a a little ways away in, in Florida, the Panthers getting a big fish in Claude Giroux as a massive deal to get this guy. Um, he's a bit of an underappreciated superstar um, and someone who is so much better, I think, and is going to be so much better in a winning environment. Just the skill that he has uh, over the, he's played a thousand games essentially for the Philadelphia Flyers at this point, And, um, was never the front and center superstar, but was always in the top 10 in scoring and uh, just a really tough guy to play on both ends of the ice every night. And now he comes in there. Who knows if they'll slot him in with Huberto and Barkov, but that is a nasty potential first line. If not, you've got Claude Giroux on your second line, which is also just ridiculous. Um, so a lot of flexibility there, and that's a big get for Florida. They also get Ben Sherratt. I think it's a pretty high price to pay, but if you're going all the way in, then what do picks matter this year? And Sherratt's a guy who just showed last year that he can be on a team that goes all the way to the state of the cup final. And so you get a guy to help round out your defense with Aaron Ekblad being out for the rest of the season uh, until around the second round of the playoffs, which is where they're hoping they're going to end up uh, and have him back in time. And then as a result behind Sherrod, they do pick up some defensive depth in Hag and Yulevi uh, just to round out the roster there. So some big moves being made by the Panthers and lightning. And <laughs> I see them just duking it out in the Atlantic, a potential p- opponent for one of these teams is the, Boston Bruins, and I have them as a smaller winner here just because they get Hampus Limholm, who is maybe the number one defensive guy available at the trade deadline. Uh, shocking to see Anaheim give up on both Manson and uh, Lindholm. That's two guys who are currently under control in the primes of their careers. I have Anaheim as a loser for this reason. Uh, they also give up Ricard Raquel, um, but they, I guess all three of those guys just don't fit their timeline at the current moment. They were competitive earlier in the season. I just think three or four years from now, those guys could still be incredible contributors to this team. And you are giving up some veteran leadership there um, in exchange, of course, for picks and prospects, but you do have to hit on those. So it's a big get for Boston. They always seem to get one, if not. Year, eh? Yeah. 
they always seem to get a fantastic acquisition at the deadline, and they're only two points behind the Leafs for third in the Atlantic, which at this point, I don't know if you're the Leafs, do you think about dropping out of that third spot into the first wild card and potentially have to play Tampa rather than Florida? I don't know who they think they match up better against, or even it would be Carolina, who they just beat this week. So interesting to see how that'll fall out. Carolina, just to touch on, don't really have them as a winner or loser, but they do pick up Max Domi and uh, re-sign Kaket Niemi to a big deal. So they fill out some of their uh, middle tier forwards in their lineup. Was Kaket Niemi just on a one year? He was due to the offer sheet. Yeah. And then I think they just, re- I think it's eight years they okay. got him at, so... Uh, yeah, did not look too closely at that with all the trades. It's kind of all blending together. Another winner, the Vancouver Canucks, uh, a team that started very, very terribly, uh, had a bit of a run, but now are conceding the fact that they are most likely not making the playoffs and have turned to selling. They do do a good job of building up the cachet, the, the treasure chest of picks and prospects selling Tyler Mott, uh, Ulevi and Travis Hamanek. They get a third round pick for Hamanek for a guy that, that you, some teams would ask them to pay a pick to get rid of the guy, but they ship him off to Ottawa. Ottawa made some poor deals again today. It just, I wouldn't call them a loser because they're nowhere near contending right now. So <laughs> it's tough to call a team a loser when they've already lost. So Vancouver gets the guys uh, out the door in exchange for some picks. They'll look to regroup for next year. Next winner I have on my list is the Colorado Avalanche. They fill in uh, two veteran guys who will have a great fourth line presence in Cogliano and Lekkanen. Um, and, and that's just a great couple of deals there to fill out the bottom of your roster once again to supplement these really top line, top tier talents in McKinnon, Landeskog, and Rantanen. And then, of course, the, the Avalanche only making the smaller moves because they did get uh, Manson last week, which was their big deal. And I don't have it in front of me right now, but you could argue that Colorado's top six is full of all top three defensemen. Like it is a really gross defensive lineup. Um, and it does have you wondering that. <laughs> I mean, I've picked them now two years in a row, but I don't see how this team doesn't make it to the Western Conference Finals this year with the roster that they have. Well, I think there's such a thing as too talented a defensive core. In the Avalanche's case, they haven't figured out how to play with it because their defensemen always want to be a part of the offense. And I remember both the year they lost to the Dallas Stars and the year they lost to the Vegas Golden Knights, both times it was like their defensemen were consistently getting caught in rushes and giving up chances they didn't need to be giving up and it came to bite them. Um, So I think it's going to be the success largely dependent on selling to these guys like no you need to play like a bottom six stay home style of hockey and role and how well they can sell that yep the arg the argument against that is you look at the team who's the back-to-back stanley cup champions in the tampa bay lightning and they have a similar very strong defensive core just last year it was hedman mcdonough sergachev david savard right and then you fill out kind of the last two right D spots, but a really, really, really solid defensive core um, seems yeah. to be the foundation for a strong team. 
for sure. But guys like Ryan McDonough aren't going out there and making those plays. And guys like Victor Hedman are so good. They can get away with making those mistakes. I don't, I mean, Victor Hedman, like a perennial Norris candidate. I don't think the Avalanche have anyone at that level yet, at least. Yeah. Makar would be the guy, but, but I think just time. defensively it's lacking. Yes. Yeah. A yeah. couple more years there. All right. A couple more winners just to fly through here. The Chicago Blackhawks. This is purely because they got flurry for basically nothing uh, in the offseason, and they turned him into a conditional first round pick, uh, shipping him off to the Minnesota Wild, who have flurry there now uh, in hopes that he can help propel them into a playoff spot. Um, the Wild did make some desperation moves. Interesting to see. Once again, the cap comes into play here, right? This is their kind of all in period. So they weren't afraid to make a couple moves uh, ahead of of the trade deadline here. And then the last winner I have the Pittsburgh Penguins um, somehow right in the thick of the metropolitan division, either top, they are tied currently with the Rangers for the second spot uh, only two points behind Carolina for first in the division still haven't been fully healthy all year, but they great again, go and get some great supplemental pieces here in Ricard Raquel and Nathan Beaulieu to kind of fill out that middle six in their lineup. Um, and those are guys who can play up and down with Sid and Malkin. So yeah, Penguins, the, the window gets tighter and tighter now with these aging uh, two-headed monster in the centers. But again, it, for the last 15 years now, they've been in on anything. So you just continue to see how far these guys can take you. I did mention uh, my loser in the Anaheim Ducks. Um, a couple other things to mention, the Calgary Flames fill out their roster, getting their third line center in Cali Yarncroke from the Kraken. And then the New York Rangers quite active. And I was undecided on this team because um, they are, again, a contender in the Metropolitan Division. They get Tyler Mott, Andrew Cobb, Nick Merkley, Justin Braun, Frank Vitrano, just a, a flurry of moves at the deadline. I just don't know if any of those guys in particular truly move the needle for this team feels like they were looking for something a little bigger and missed out on on the big fish in the market uh, but they do get a variety of guys who can come in and give them some depth all the way throughout their lineup so of course we arrive at the team that we normally talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs and they make a blockbuster deal they actually make a couple of deals without having to give up uh, a first round Coming pick or one of their top prospects. And it was reported that Matthew Nyes, um, one of the members of the USA U20 World Ch Junior Championship team, a highly, highly touted prospect. He is looking like a killer out there on the ice. He was thrown around in a lot of deals, mostly by teams asking for him. Uh, Dubas was adamant that they were not going to give up prospects. I'm okay with that because you you've got still a pretty solid farm system um, and, and a couple of key blue chipper prospects that you want to keep and see if you can add them to the lineup down the road. So the picks are definitely more expendable. They do give up a couple. They get Mark Giordano as the big acquisition to add to their defensive core. They do lose Travis Dermott to the Vancouver Canucks and love Travis, but that is a large upgrade in that regard. 
But then coming out today that Rasmus Sandin is going on LTIR uh, with a knee injury. So you do get Giordano who can fill in the time, but Muzzin Sandin out for probably the rest of the regular season. So interesting to see how the Leafs are going to maneuver and kind of stitch the back end of that defensive pairings together. Uh, but really excited to see where they put Giordano. I imagine he'll slot in either with Lilia Grin or you might, I don't think you want to break up Brody Riley. So I guess you'll see Giordano with Muzzin or Giordano with Hall for now will probably be the matchup. I worry about a bit of foot speed, um, which is why I'd be okay. Maybe splitting up Brody and Riley, uh, having Giordano with Riley seems like a good pair together. It's, it's just going to be interesting to see how they experiment. I think Giordano is going to fit in well. Of course, the veteran leadership is key. And who knows? I'm kind of sick Maybe of that word can... after last year. Yeah, but uh, definitely could give a good boost here for, the te- for a team that is, has been treading water the last couple of months. The other big move that happened for the Leafs was Peter Mrazek placed on waivers. Uh, so fascinating. I didn't know it was possible to put a guy who had a three-year contract on waivers. Um, sounds expensive. Obviously, the Leafs can afford that. I don't imagine Mrazek will get claimed by anyone because of how expensive that contract is. So you're going to be paying a guy $11 million to play on your AHL team, which is really wild. Um but that is the move. They don't end up bringing a goalie in. Some comments came out today uh, from the general manager of the Blackhawks that the Leafs were sniffing around Flurry, and some of the offers were made public, which Dubas was not happy about in his press conference. Uh, but Flurry would have been a big get for the Leafs. And I got to say, that's why I'm undecided on Toronto at the end of this trade deadline is the biggest area of need, it seems like, was not filled. They get Giordano. I don't know if they had a shot at Lindholm, but I, I just, I don't know. It's, it's so tough to see. And I don't know if what a 38 year old defenseman is, is the difference here on this Leafs roster, especially with just the other Atlantic contenders seemingly making that step forward. Yeah. We, we were looking for a massive splash and Giordano is a ripple, but the, like I think two years ago, this might have been the move, the move we were looking for. Um, but especially after how last year went with getting uh, Thornton on the team, even Marlowe before that, I, I love Spezza. He's like the best fourth line Swiss Army knife you could have. Um, man, I've Nick Felino. Like these moves aren't it. And Giordano seems like the same type of move as that to me. So just relative to the Atlantic division, you can call the Leafs a loser just because the three other teams did better and more. The solace I take is that they are going to be in the playoffs. And when you're in the playoffs, you got a shot and you got to beat one of these teams. And I think it would be nice if they ended up getting even... I still don't know. Like Tampa and Florida are great, but they feel like teams that the Leafs match up better against rather than a Boston, rather than a, well, they should have beat Montreal, but these more defensively or physically inclined teams, I think the Leafs actually with some of the pace could keep up with a Florida, a Tampa, a Carolina. Not that I'd like to see that because those teams are awesome. 
but you got to beat the best to move on. And just one round, please. <laughs> we'll set the city on fire. <laughs> like, um, yeah, I, I think this team playing at its best can beat any other team in the league. Um, I, I just don't know what it takes to get them there. But if Jack Campbell decides to lock in and play like he played in November, if Marner, Matthews, Spezza, and Tavares are all on their A game about constantly creating opportunities, one of those four guys is going to have a good night every night. And that's going to inspire the rest of the team. It just man, we could name this podcast just Leafs Frustration. I, I feel like we end with they just need to dot, dot, dot in the playoffs every time. Yeah, yeah. All right, we will leave the NHL alone and we will talk a little bit of basketball here as a break from transactions uh, and then finish up the pod with some signings and trades. Uh, the NBA, in the midst of March Madness where college takes over the most basketball news, uh, there's a little bit of a lull here in the season before the stretch run. And because of this, you imagine fatigues taking in teams like the Portland Trailblazers are fully committed to getting blown out every game and the tanking is in full effect. I could not name you anyone from Portland's starting five right now. Um, with that being said, we've seen some uh, a historic week in the NBA where we had two guys drop 60 and a third man dropped 50. And without looking at the notes, Max, could you give me any guess on who the third person to drop 50 points was? Even if I told you he was a Detroit Piston. Was it Cage? No. Jeremiah Grant? Nope. No idea. Do you know who Sadiq Bey is? You maybe said that name. <laughs> Damn, no. Yeah. <laughs> Not a so, thing comes to mind. Of course, Carl Anthony Towns going for 60 um, in, in a great performance last Monday, and then Kyrie Irving going for 60 on Tuesday, then Sadiq Bey later in the week going for 50. Just a bunch of factors playing in, but some pretty special performances over the last week, and it just it feels like one guy could get hot in the NBA now and score a lot more than, it, than you used to be able to. Teams are a little bit less double-heavy, and the three-point line really impacts players' ability to score. And it's no coincidence we're seeing that this at this time in the season when teams like Portland are fully committed exactly. to the tank. But the defense just, it, there's no alarm bells that go off when a guy crosses 30. Like, okay, I have to be on his ass every inch of the court. Like, that's yeah. why this happens. And it's good entertainment, so. Oh, Yeah. Some good entertainment lately has been the Toronto Raptors. Uh, a five-game winning streak before Friday night and two really big road wins uh, against both LA teams. The first game against the Lakers, they just Talk killed them historic. with the hustle. That, yeah. The most points given up by the LA Lakers in the shot clock era. Um, I think the <laughs> score was 21-2 to yep. at one at point. One point. Um, the yeah, of course, like the week I decide I'm going to watch the Raptors, we end up going five days late on our podcast and it all feels a little dated, but um, amazing hustle in that Lakers game. The score, I think the final score is something like 113 to 102 it does not do justice how amazingly one-sided this performance was. Um, 
just <laughs> I know where we're going after this so I can't gloat in it too much but like the, watching the ego death of LeBron James over this game yeah. was simply delicious um that Scotty um attempted homicide uh went viral onto the front page of Reddit um at, at everyone's favorite part kind of LeBron trying to beef and mean mug him after almost taking his head off and Scotty not even looking at him twice. <laughs> He's more of a Kobe guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. we'll have a lot to say on LeBron James at some point in the next three years. I don't know how long he's going to go. Um, the, the only other thing I wanted to shit on him for was uh, in the third quarter, he, you saw like three minutes where he decided to be really committed to defense and then just give up. Like, I'm going to walk back from half court. Like we had three five on fours in a row. Um, it's just, I don't know that. He, I, I when he wants it. to, he can be special. Right. And the theme yeah. all week for the Raptors has been hustle over this last stretch. They've just, the games have either been close or like this Lakers game, it ended in a blowout. They've been able to keep in games no matter what. And that's what you want in a battle tested team. But LeBron James, he has those special moments, right? And he did so. He reclaimed the LeBronto title on Friday, hitting some ridiculous, ridiculous shots, some thunderous dunks, some surprisingly athletic blocks coming out of the guy in his 19th season. Um, he looked pretty special for stretches there in that Raptors game. And he finally got some help from a man whose name I will pronounce correctly in Russell Westbrook, uh, just an all time. Yes, 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 yes. No way moment. <laughs> like the other way around where they inbound the ball to precious Achua, who I would have been better. I would have been more happy with him just throwing the ball as high as he could in the air to waste more time off the shot clock than trying to pass it to four covered guys. Westbrook gets the steal, dribbles down the other way, foot is on the line, and then microseconds apart, he pulls it back, shoots a three, sends it to overtime. And from there, uh, they just do their thing. And somehow the Lakers managed to pull that one out. It really killed the vibes in Toronto after that game. And uh, after that performance, LeBron then goes, they lose to Washington, but he does become the all-time second-place leading scorer, passing Carl Malone. Um, so a big week and accomplishment for him. He is so very close now to Kareem. It's just about staying healthy for the next two seasons. Meanwhile, for Toronto, they start a back-to-back, -back and without Fred VanVleet, Scotty and Pascal, again, have been fantastic at running this offense without Fred Van Vliet. They stick in there against two guys that get free throws anytime they want in Embiid and Harden. And I truly thought that the star power in the close game would win out for Philadelphia, but the grit and determination and length of this Raptors team, Scotty, oh my God, you got to love this kid. 
it was, he wanted to stick to Harden all night. He was embracing the matchup. He loved every moment of it. They would set a screen, he'd switch, and then he'd be like, screw this. I'm leaving my guy to either go double Harden or tell my guy to, or tell my teammate to go back to where he was. Like he wanted to stay on Harden the whole night. Um, I think he did make Harden's life difficult, got a couple of turnovers from him and some really great basketball in the end by Pascal Siakam. Uh, to finish things out down the stretch. He's been really great over the last month and they've really needed him to be great. And I think well, it all depends what happens tonight against Chicago and Cleveland playing the Lakers tonight. Um, the Raptors still one game back of Cleveland with about 20 games or 15 games left to play now. <laughs> they don't have the tiebreaker. I, I truly think whoever finishes first in front of one another in the Eastern Conference standing, their rookie is going to win Rookie of the Year because Barnes has been unbelievable. Mobley started to hit a bit of a rookie wall, but then Mobley had a great game against Denver the other night. So it's really coming down to the wire between those two. And I don't think there's anyone else in the conversation at this point. Barnes is just so awesome to watch. Oh my God, even little things like he's just so at the pace of the game. I love that he'll complain about a call to a ref or a non-call while busting his ass back on defense. <laughs> like he's, just, he's so advanced. You forget yeah. he's a first-year player and yeah. he does all the things that he's doing. Yeah. Um, I, I do think the Raptor most worthy of praise right now is Siakam though. Just, I remember a season ago watching like the offense would just feel so rigid and so forced at times like, Oh, I have the ball. ISO at the elbow. I'm good. I have one move I can do. And it does, it didn't matter what the defense did. Now he's gotten so much better at reading and attacking the path of least resistance and being proficient in whatever that pass is. The offense has been so satisfying to watch, but he also has that like Kobe, Jordan, LeBron, whatever you want to say, askness where it's like, you want to double team me? If I'm locked in, I'm still putting this ball in the basket. Like it does not matter what you do on defense. Um, he, he has been our ace player and that's yeah. been wonderful to see that bounce back. And I'd love to give one final shout out here to Chris Boucher, who has reached the kind of point he was at last season when I wrote our article about him and how happy I was with his performance last year. But a string of double doubles and he's averaging like over five offensive rebounds a game in the month of March, like just an energizer bunny. He's pulling down rebounds everywhere, beating guys to loose balls. Um, that is exactly the guy that they need him to be. Uh, as his role and just a guy who's hungry on the offensive glass can give you some solid defensive minutes not anything super special but a block or two here and there and yeah it's all the stuff around the rim that he does and then stepping out for the occasional three to keep defenders honest yeah just been a great stretch for Boucher so wanted to shout him out for that especially with no Ananobi all right we get to college ball yes and if you haven't tuned in, as I'm sure most of our demographic has. Uh, it has been the epitome of madness here in March. Um, the most double-digit seeds in 20 years to make it to the Sweet 16. Most notably, the third 15 seed ever to make it to the Sweet 16 in St. Peter's. Uh, they defeat heavy favorite Kentucky. 6.2% of brackets had Kentucky winning the national championship. They go out in the first round. And then they follow that up with a very impressive win against a strong Murray State side. So St. Peter's, uh, 
doing well so far. We love to cheer on the Cinderella story. They've got a bunch of guys who look like you and me, Max, but with mustaches. And, <laughs> and uh, just cool to see a team that has no fear and is really well coached. That's just the beauty of college basketball. It's one game take all. On the other hand, uh, with the success of some of the lower seeds, we have seen some top seeds fall, including Kentucky, like I mentioned, Iowa going out early, as well as the one seed Baylor um, getting upset in a big way by North Carolina, Tennessee, Wisconsin, and Auburn. Auburn specifically featuring top five projected pick Jabari, Jabari Smith. Um, that's a big one to lose as, as we won't get to see him play. Uh, but the next time we see him will probably be the draft combine. So some shocking results as always in the tournament. Uh, and we will see what comes out of the sweet 16 as, as the week moves along, but really fun stuff uh, in, in the NCAA. We'll wrap up here with some quick reactions to some trades and signings in the NFL and MLB. We'll start with football fan cave, my Denver Broncos uh, overpaying for Randy Gregory, uh, but an awesome start to have in the moment right now to put alongside Bradley Chubb on that defensive line. They also get defensive tackle DJ Jones. So that looks to be a formidable defensive line. That's going to have to get after the likes of Derek Carr, Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. Uh, in other news, Tom Brady came back. That feels like a lifetime ago, but he is back in Tampa. I was surprised that he was in Tampa. I thought maybe he's only coming back to get traded, but they really held the leverage with him. So he's back and playing with the Buccaneers. We'll see what happens next year with that. Von Miller wins his Super Bowl. He's now got two on two different teams, and he goes and signs a monster six-year extension or deal with the Buffalo Bills. So joining a third contender, Maybe three Super Bowls with three different teams is on the table for Vaughn, but uh, that's a great get for the Buffalo Bills, um, who seem to be sitting pretty in a relatively weak AFC East, and they do not play the AFC West next year in, in their kind of crossover division games, so they get to watch as that division beats each other up uh, and wait for them in the playoffs. Deshaun Watson, a big name, a contentious name, uh, gets traded to the Cleveland Browns, which was surprising to many as early in the week, the Browns had been declared out of the running. Uh, but Watson indicating he wanted to play in Cleveland. He's going to run with Amari Cooper. I imagine there will be a suspension involved at the start of the season. and The Browns will have to tread water until he can get back. Um, but that is a big move there. He now hasn't played in a long time. He's still a really special talent. Uh, so it'll be fascinating to see uh, what the Browns can do in that division as the Bengals get better. Not anyone uh, that you or I would necessarily know, Max, but from what I gather, uh, they, the Bengals did a great job shoring up their offensive line for Joe Burrow in the offseason. So it feels like the Steelers now are the team at the bottom of this division with the Ravens. All, they, the Ravens always have a good free agency period. They just never seem to make a, a bad signing. So those three teams are still in the thick of things in the AFC North. And then we get to maybe the biggest and most shocking move of NFL free agency, Devontae Adams getting traded to the Las Vegas Raiders right after Rogers signing that big, big extension. Um, it feels like Rodgers knew this was coming, which makes it even more surprising that he signed the extension. 
but Adams getting moved to Vegas, that's a great move for him running with a, an old college friend in Derek Carr. And he is going to be the face of that franchise. I imagine um, he's going to have Josh McDaniels, former Patriots offensive corner, dialing up his creativity and dialing up plays for Adams. Uh, it's just another guy adding to the arms race of the AFC West. On the other side of things, the Kansas City Chiefs get Juju Smith-Schuster as a guy who's very physical and can play in the gaps. Uh, a great guy to put alongside the speed they have in Tyreek Hill. Um, I think that's just a great piece. I think it's underestimated how well he can fit in alongside the faster guys that the Chiefs have on the roster. And him and Kelsey can be more of the underneath physical presences. And then the Los Angeles Chargers responded by going out and signing uh, free agent Mr. INT JC Jackson from the New England Patriots. So that AFC West is absolutely loaded. Uh, ben Solak from the Ringer mentioned today that you could make probably an all-star team of the AFC West and they could go head-to-head -head with the all-star team from the rest of the divisions in the NFL, not just any other division, but the rest of the league. Uh, a really, really stacked division and I'm just happy that I'm going to get to watch plenty of good football next year involving my team because it was not the case for the last six years. Now the last signing today or the last transaction today in football fan cave that I wanted to touch on uh, the QB carousel is in full effect. Matt Ryan gets traded to the Indianapolis Colts. They are trying out another quarterback. Uh, I do love the expertise and experience. He has been to a Super Bowl. He is going to have a great couple of weapons in Jonathan Taylor and uh, T.Y. Hilton uh, in Michael Pittman Jr. I think it's a better fit. It's a slight upgrade over Carson Wentz. I, I don't know if Matt Ryan is still the Super Bowl quality quarterback that he was five years ago, but the Colts obviously did not think that they were going to do better in free agency and did not think the answer for them was in the draft so once again they go and look for another guy to try and solve their quarterback uh, make the final piece of the puzzle there so to speak and the Falcons on the other side are in rebuilding mode so they go out and they get Marcus Mariota uh, who may be their starter I imagine they'll draft a quarterback as well and kind of have that battle there but Mariota is a frisky guy that if things start going well, the Falcons could end up uh, in that NFC wildcard race just because of how much weaker it feels like the conference is this year compared to the AFC. So that does it for Football Fan Cave. The final bit of news here, um, the baseball transactions were big, if you like that sort of thing. <laughs> I wasn't too blown away by anything in baseball, of course. Um, the Braves getting Matt Olson from the athletics, meaning that Freddie Freeman was out the door, thought the Blue Jays had a shot at him. He ends up with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Instead, the Blue Jays go out and acquire Matt Chapman from the Oakland athletics. There has some, been some pretty good history from guys that the Jays acquire from Oakland, most notably Josh Donaldson. The last guy that they acquired from Oakland that was this big a name, Matt Chapman has the potential to be the best defender the Jays have ever had. And he is going to play the hot corner, which really solves a position of need. The Jays did not have a solid third baseman that they could trust on a night to night basis. Now they do means Vladdy can go full time at first. Um, 
really the only downside from this trade for the Jays, I think it's a home run, is it just adds another right-handed bat to a very, very right-handed dominated lineup. I would have loved to have Freeman just to kind of break up what pitchers are seeing through the lineup. But um, I did mention that the defense was the last big area of need for the Jays and, and Chapman solves that in spades. He was a two-time platinum glove winner, uh, which is <laughs> the best at your position in the league, not just in the, uh, in the conference. So looking forward to seeing what this Jays lineup looks like. Uh, spring training is underway and we've seen Chapman and Guerrero both go yard already. Uh, and I'm just super pumped now for what the season holds. And I'm looking forward to seeing a couple of games this summer because they're finally back in Toronto. Or we righty sports <laughs> talk. I'll say a quick congratulations to Taylor Fritz for winning the Indian Wells Masters 1000, handing Rafael Nadal his first loss of the season. Um, I didn't, it's been a very hectic last couple of days for me. So I missed the big important and fun tennis to my regrets a lot of crazy upsets so um on fee taking out medvedev early um alcaraz playing great tennis and a wonderful match with uh, nadal who was on fire as usual all the way to the finals him pulling out of miami as well indicates some sort of injury um but kind of disappointingly quiet from guys like Zverev, Tsitsipas, Berrettini. Like I, I thought we'd at least see one of those guys in the semis, uh, none of them making it. So heading into Miami, which might've started today. Um, that definitely a storyline to keep an eye on for as well as both our Canadians. Uh, so tennis in the back corner, but still there. Still there, always there. We'll have more to talk on later this week. Uh, but until then, that is going to do it for this one. Lots of information to get through. Uh, I imagine we'll be diving into some stuff later on um, this week as we continue to enjoy March Madness, the stretch runs of the NHL and NBA seasons. It's officially on in these leagues now. Lots of stuff. We get to really talk about the potential playoff matchups now and dive into that. Of course, tennis, like you mentioned, Max, and then baseball season is beginning. I don't know how much we're going to talk about baseball, but uh, it's also there <laughs> just in the same way. And, uh, and then I cannot wait for Sunday. We, uh, you know, I guess it'll be a week from now when I'll be giving my very fresh reactions to Canada soccer's qualifying matchup. And hopefully it will be a win and it will be an electric podcast. Yeah, I, I guess so much hype there. You've got to build it for multiple episodes. I wish I could sign off we'll, with till then, but uh, we got one more episode in between now and then to record on Thursday. So until then, Sports Next Door signing off.